Welcome everyone to the Sister Stories podcast. This podcast's aim is to marvel at God's sovereignty over each of our lives as women and to encourage one another by sharing our stories. My name is Sophie and today I'm joined by Kim. Hello. Hello. Um, so Kim, can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Um, my name is Kim, obviously, sorry. And um, I'm married to Rory and we have three older teenagers now. Um, Nathan, who's 15, Aiden, 17, and Emma's 19. Great. And what do you do? Many uh, things. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I work part-time for TNT Ministries. Um, I'm just helping with the translation of Italian things at the moment. And um, the other part of my job, which I don't really think is ever part-time, um, is being a mum and... Uh, I've been homeschooling my kids. Nathan's just busy with his last few GCSEs now. And then I'll have done that job so I can take that hat off. <laughs> wow. That's, that's quite a few years of doing yes. that, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> that's amazing. Great. Uh, so we're going to be talking about, uh, your journey to faith and your walk with Christ. Uh, but to start with, could you tell us about your family background? Well, I was born and raised in Cape Town. Um, my parents got divorced when I was nine years old. My mum later got remarried and had another two kids. I do have an older brother. Uh, but we essentially, uh, we weren't raised as Christian children. We had no knowledge of the Bible. But in South Africa, uh, growing up, you would have quite a, a bit of religious education in schools and, and good stuff. Um, but it was only, and I moved schools quite a bit when I was a kid, um, but it was only when I went to high school um, that I fell in with a group of Christians. Uh, it was a cool school, and um, and it was and it was it was like really weird because they had this, they had like a great club. It mm. felt like a club that I wanted to be part of, but I always felt I was on the outskirts mm. of this uh, of this great club. So um, one day, Kristen, my friend, invited me along to a talk that the youth pastor was doing. And with a, a very vivid illustration that he used based on John 3.16, um, I realized that, uh, I realized that I'm a regular sinner and that I will be punished for that. And, and also the unbelievable miracle of Jesus' death in my place, that somebody would do that because I wasn't, um, raised in a home of unconditional love. So it was a completely new, co- concept so um, yeah so it was really wow would you say that there was um how can I say this surely there were things before that that drew you to that group so you said it felt like a club maybe it felt welcoming to be part of that Christian group or something but were there other things that drew you to listening to to the things that were being said uh, not, not really. necessarily <laughs> but but the girls did they had that very warm love that you see f- in a Christian family, like at the church or like um, at youth group when I when I it's my turn to, to bring the boys to uh, to rooted and um, when Rory's not doing it, um, you can see that there's a a real love of each other that I I think is um, is just incredible and the world sits on the outside seeing this and not quite understanding what it is. But being a Christian and having a relationship with the Lord, you can see it's it's part of His family how we show our love to each other, and oh, it's just an incredible, it's an incredible, mm. intangible thing. I think. 
Yeah. And you said that there wasn't really presence in your family, that love. So maybe that drew you to the group as well a little bit or yes. would you say that's the case? Yes, definitely. I, I, I had more of a foundation after becoming a Christian, but it was also really tricky because my family weren't Christian. So, mm. um, but, so I mean, how do I go to church? How do I, and my, my, my mum was quite controlling. So mm. I felt I couldn't even ask. Um, but, miraculously my stepfather decided to that we should start going to church so we started attending a reformed evangelical church quite close by and I never really got stuck into the youth group because it was still the, the entertainment model youth group and it was just <laughs> awkward <laughs> I did not feel comfortable at all um, but you know I went to church and uh, I tried to learn as much as I could um, and spent a lot of time with my Christian friends at school they were running little Bible studies during break and so on. So I gleaned as much as I could out of that. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so I finished school and wasn't quite sure what to do. Uh, so I decided to go to Bible college for three years. And while I was there, I realized that there's a real gap in the market for decent Sunday school material because what we were using was really, all we were doing is ra raising morally upright pagans. So <laughs> it was a bit useless. So, um, yeah, so I started getting involved in full-time children's work. Wow. And you've, you're still doing that at the moment, yes. aren't you? Yes. With R Rory, obviously. Yes, yes. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, so how did you two meet? Did you meet through that? or? Uh, it was matchmade. Matchmade. <laughs> <laughs> um, my um, Rory's minister was a good friend of my senior, my uh, senior pastor. So um, at some big church meeting, he said to me, hey, there's this hot guy in my church. Very good with kids. <laughs> It was so awkward. But anyway. I edited this part. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, um, and of course, Mike went and back and told Roy the same thing. Um, well, you know, there's this nice girl in Cape Town who's good with kids. And, um, and when I first met Rory, I wasn't like not really interested because I mean, who does that? It's just too awkward. But the second time we spent, uh, spent time together, uh, Rory came because Rory was living in Johannesburg. He flew down to Cape Town to help me with my holiday club to be in a, to be mm. a leader. Um, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So, um, and he was, he was really good. He was a strong male lead that I, I hadn't seen before. My dad was quite an absent dad and my stepfather was a bit useless. So, um, so it, it made quite an impact on me. Um, yes. And then one thing led to another and here we are. <laughs> wow. That's great. Um, so obviously you've made your way to the UK. Yes. Uh, you've been here quite a few years. Yes, think, 13, right? yes, 13. Wow, that's quite a while. So how did you come to arrive in Cornerstone and, and here? Ah, that is a great story. Um, <laughs> well, we, uh, we'd been doing children's work because after we got married, we moved to Johannesburg, um, and Rory was working full time at a church there, um, and the church was growing quite quickly. So eventually they, um, after a few years, employed me to do children's work full time. Mm -hmm. Um, um, and then we were, we were there for a while and we had used the TNT material that mm -hmm. Trevor and Talia were producing here. We had invited them around a few times to South Africa to do training. And the second time they came, they took us out for dinner and asked if we'd like to take over the ministry here. So, 
<laughs> so I went, um, so when we got home, um, we said, we said, cause they were staying with us, so we said goodnight and whatever. So as we were behind closed doors, I was all very excited. I said to Rory, ah, let's go. This, what an opportunity this is. And then, um, cause I just had visions of myself walking through Richmond Park, like in the setting of Pride and Prejudice. I'd always wanted to come here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, Yes, and then Rory said, but my love, and then he, he gave you know, immediately off the top of his head five reasons why we couldn't come. Mm. And then within a week, all those reasons fell away. So it was clear, the Lord was clearly directing us in this path. Because mm. we had said, we'd been here, in, we'd come to England uh, um, on kind of a holiday and met Trevor and Talia um, and got a bit of material uh, from them to take back to SA and and they had said and, and as we were leaving I'd said to Roy good goodness wouldn't it be nice to do this full time mm. so it was just a number you know the Lord leading us in an amazing way um, and obviously moving here was hard uh, with the children crying for their grandparents and there's nothing you can do and there's, mm. there's, there's, it was, it was really uh, it was really tough um, also like surviving on a South African salary until we had could cope, you know, we're, mm. to make, making ends meet with the Rand Pound exchange being a shocker. Not that it's ever got better, but anyway. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. But let me think. We knew we were coming to Cornerstone before we even landed here because Rory had been to a few churches and had come away saying, when he came back uh, home to Johannesburg, said right, he really thinks Cornerstone is the way to go. Mm. And then... Um, Tim Neal, when he was still at our church, um, and of, of quite a few of the Cornerstone people, um, well, Tim organized to put a little video together welcoming us. Wow. So it we received this video and we all got all the kids because Emma was, um, she was six and five and three. So they all bundled onto our bed early one Sunday morning and watched the video from Cornerstone. <laughs> And it was just so sweet. We had a few South Africans chatting. We had, and they had made sure that there was a, um, like a girl Emma's age being interviewed and a little boy Aiden's age. And mm -hmm. it was just so precious. We had, you know, I had tears in my eyes thinking to myself, this is, what a fantastic welcome. Yeah. Um, so even before we came, we knew we were going to be part of a, an amazing family. It was yeah. just, oh, that's amazing. amazing. Us, yeah. Great. Um, and so you've been you've been leading the the kids' work in mm. Cornerstone for quite a few years. How has that gone throughout the years? How has that developed? Would you say? Uh, I mean, we know we have a lot of kids at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, um, it's just been amazing. Uh, it's not just because I've, I've got a little a little a thing that I think about when I'm teaching is that we never know who the next. Gladys Elwood or Don Carson or John Stott's going to be. It mm. could be in our church. So we need to be doing a, for a number of reasons, but not least of all, a really good job of, of training these kids properly. There's no reasons yes. why they can't, um, get a really good theological education, mm. um, early on and start grappling with issues in a, in a meaningful way. Um, but it's not just, the love that I have for the children and, and how grateful I am for the opportunity to be able to do what I love. Um, but also getting to know the leaders and, um, taking this journey with them. Cause there, there's something about serving with each other that, yeah, 
that's really fantastic. We're all in this together, striving to to do the Lord's work. We're there to encourage each other. It's 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 a great team to be part of. It's always yeah. a great joy. It's my best days are Sunday. <laughs> yeah. And it's encouraging for us to see the kids grow up and, and ask yes. questions and, and all of that, actually. Yes. So it's, yes. it's great, isn't it? I mean, I'm part of that as well. So yes, I'm very of course. Happy. <laughs> yes. Very happy to be. Um, great. Okay. And um, is there anything as you joined Cornerstone that as a Christian you felt you the Lord taught you or was different from South Africa? Uh well, one thing comes to mind, but I'm not sure if I'm answering the question. One thing comes to mind is that um, it's something that Fran said in the podcast that she did with you is that you might all be speaking English, but it's a different culture. So yes. we've definitely found that when we came here. Um, but also I got to a point where I realized I'm being, I felt personally that I was being selfish mm-hmm. by expecting other people to understand me and to mind read how I'm feeling. Yes. Mm. So I decided to to take on some advice um, and uh, that a South African friend who'd been here for a while gave me, and I started talking about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great move. It's a great move because it made me realize it's not just not just quite frankly how people open up when you talk about the weather, which to me was a bit odd. But if that was what I had to do to try and it was it was like an experience of um having their perspective, mm. having the British perspective. Yes. And also I had um we were getting to know the Glens and we were very fond of them. But I was telling Maggie the story once we were in my kitchen when we still lived in Kingston. And I said to her, old um I really found it hard and I got to a point where I thought, let, let it not be about me. Let me actually just shut up and serve other people and mm-hmm. be kind um, and not make it about me. And then I turned around and, and Maggie was in tears. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I've said something awkward that I've offended my British friend. Now what's happened? <laughs> and then she said she she knew that I looked like a nice person to be friends with. But – the, probably due to the size of the church at that stage, people are coming and going. And she says, she said that the, the, the people are, the, the people at church are getting to know uh, new friends, foreigners, and then they leave. Mm. And it's really hard for the church people that are left behind. Yes. And yeah. I hadn't seen it from that point of view. So obviously I cried and then we hugged and whatever, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, it gave me a new perspective on 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 how loving our church is by ex- constantly accepting new people with open arms mm. knowing that they might get hurt when those friends leave yes which mm. which again makes me love and appreciate our church very much i've got i've been meeting a lot of i mean i meet quite a few non-christians uh and and when they go when they say about oh was it really hard moving to this country now I say, well, well, yes and no. I'm part of a church family, so I'm fine. <laughs> I have, yeah. I have grannies and aunties and uncles and loads of children and lots of nephews and nieces. It's just, mm. it's just very precious to be part of it, and I'm very grateful for it. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, that happened to me as well. Coming to the UK, where 
from the beginning when I was a Christian, I felt that the church was my real family. Yes. Because my family wasn't Christian. Yes. So, and then you come to a new church family in a way in a new country, but it still feels the same as when I was in church in France. Yes. And I mean, not the same exactly, but there are so many things that are the same. They're transferable, yes, exactly. absolutely. So, I mean, I had an American pastor as well, so that might help. But um, <laughs> yes. in a way that, you know, there were so, so many different, uh, similar things. And that's why we can just rejoice that there are these different nationalities and that we have Christ in common, which is the most important thing to have in common, yes. actually. Yes, Which is why it draws us together so strongly. Yes. And, yeah. and I sometimes also think that, you know, some, some Christians are more, um, exuberant in their, um, yeah, in their personality and their evangelism and everything that they say and do. But, but I appreciate, um, I appreciate the quieter people as well because I think, I, I don't think, I don't think all the wiser Christian women for me realize how, how much they've impacted me. I had to, as a as a, a new Christian, and even when I was doing children's work in Cape Town when I was new to the game, um, I looked at the older mums and I watched what they did very carefully because I now had to learn what a Christian mother looks like, what a Christian wife looks like, um, different ideas of raising the children, what works, what doesn't work, what made it work. Mm. Um so, so yes, just the, just the quiet, faithful, serving the Lord, being a wife and being a mother, uh, doesn't go unnoticed. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And that's what makes the church, isn't it? That yeah, yeah, yeah. We all need to do, we all, sorry, we all have different roles in the church, but if, if we, if we're not ready to serve and do that without grumbling and, you know, yes. all the, you know, faffing around that we can do. <laughs> yes. um, I think that's, that's, it's not going to work, is it? And no. we're not going to have a church at the end of the day no. if we're not committed to it. Sorry, I said that slightly wrong. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you mean. I know exactly yeah. what you mean. Yeah. Huh. Great. Um, so we've gone through quite a few different things, actually, mm. but I wonder, um, if there were, if there are some specific lessons that you have learned, uh, especially in these last couple of years, uh, with COVID and and all the disruption to things that we've had, yes, um, I suppose from a COVID point of view, nothing really changed in my house. Uh, Rory's still yes. in his office at the end of the hall. <laughs> Everything was pretty much muchness. Um, but one thing I did learn was that um, uh, I suppose. I suppose one thing I did learn is that um if you if you're a wife and a mum um well that's that's my perspective um you tend to absorb the family's emotions quite a lot so while everybody is struggling with covid you're there to put your arm around them and to try and help them deal with it um so every now and again I wanted to just explode with my own pent up frustrations so and I'm not like big on exercise to be fair so (laughs) so take Rory and I taking our obligatory walk around the block you know just getting into exercise and Mm. to and to just notice the little things um like beautiful roses I'll stop and smell the roses when I go for a walk Mm. or just appreciate the rain or the smell of the rain so I suppose it's using my senses 
my God-given senses to appreciate creation and to just try and focus on just getting from one day to the next. Yes. But also when things get difficult for my children, I have realized in the last while that I should take the advice that I give to them mm. because because I've tried to do intentional parenting to undo how I was raised. Um I I love Werner Roy and I love them unconditionally and you know we do all this we we read books to try and help us to Christian books to help us to be good Christian parents or do the best we can with what we've got available. Um but but sometimes I find that when I give the kids advice I don't take it on myself. Just mm. you know the the Lord's got this. You are not alone in this. God will strengthen you, you know, all those things that that I don't feel I deserve. Mm, but yeah. actually, I'm in the same boat. I'm also a child <laughs> of Christ. Yes. yes, that's right. And I think it's the same when we teach the kids in Sunday school, that if if we did not prepare the study for ourselves Absolutely. first, we wouldn't be able to teach them. Yes. Because we need to learn that. And that's why we so uh, we are able to say to them, actually, I had to deal with this this week as well. Absolutely. And I can show you what it looked like in my life yes. to help you actually as a younger person yes or you know and it, i think it's a great way to, it's a great fact that we have that relationship with them it's a great thing that we can encourage them and they encourage us of in course return, actually of course yes yeah. so in the same way you know <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely yeah. absolutely i agree yeah huh. which is why the church is so precious because yes. we have these different generations coming together uh, that wouldn't necessarily talk to each other in normal life that much. I know. <laughs> I know. And it's normal. Churches, exactly. churches, normal people having normal problems and us helping each other through them, which is just great. Yeah. And so talking about that, um, is there any advice that you would like to pass on to younger Christians? Uh, yes. I guess we've already mentioned a few things. Yes, but <laughs> yes, yes. Um, one uh, minister's wife, cause I was, I had, I did a stint of being a minister's wife for a while. And um, one minister's wife, um, I sat down with her one day and I said, oh, I'm not the kind of person that has all these hundreds of goals and it's just too overwhelming. And then she she put her hand on my hand and said, looked me in the eye and said, my dear. <laughs> she said, um, look after your husband and remember that your children are your first mission field. Mm. And I've never forgotten that because – I'm, I'm the kind of person who's completely overambitious. First on my list for jobs for the day is to save the rainforest. And then I'm bitterly disappointed <laughs> if I can't do that. So then after listening to her and looking her in the eye and taking it on board, I thought to myself, you know what? Let me just try and make a difference in my corner of the world. Mm. So look after my family, you know, and then what, use whatever gifts and talents God has given me to serve the church and to just to just chill because I can't do everything. Yes. Um I'm just I'm I'm just called to do what I can do in my little corner. Mm. And yeah. that'll be good enough. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. right. <laughs> and I think yeah, we just we just called to follow Christ, aren't we? Yes. So at the end of the day, as you say, there's nothing we can do for our salvation or for yes. much actually in our lives if yes. we don't trust in him. So yes. Yeah, I think that's that's really essential. Patient perseverance, following those that have gone before. Yes, exactly. 
Great. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Kim. Um, and thank you everyone for listening. Uh, that's it for today's episode of Sister Stories, but join us again next time.